Welcome to Mindset Mastery with your host, George Reister. If you haven't tuned in before, you're in for a treat today. I have a, a woman that's coming on the show that is going to give us a vast amount of information about the real estate business and what she's doing and how she's getting it done. And at the same time, providing opportunities for others. Before we get started with our guests, let's cover a few house rules. First, I wanna make sure that uh, you go and follow us on all of our social media sites, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, podcast, and make sure you give us a five-star rating. Your rating helps and we really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Second of all, this is a year of giving. I decided this year I was gonna give as much as I could to the community and to my listeners. By giving, I mean, I want to share as much information and content that will be a resource and that will be helpful for you to take advantage of and use to your benefit in the areas that you need it, whether it's health and beauty, whether it's today, real estate, uh, uh, or if you, if some self, self-help that you need, business. It's a big thing right now. Everyone's that's stuck at home. And so everybody's creating their own businesses, whether they're online and they need advice. You need advice. I need advice sometimes. So I call on professionals that have the expert, expertise in those areas. And we're going to steamroll forward and we're going to provide, provide that for you. Next, I want to make sure that you know my favorite foundation for the year. St. Jude Research Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, please. St. Jude provides so many resources for families with children that, are, uh, that have cancer. Those families pay for nothing while they're, they're in the hospital. They also have funding for, that helps take care of the bills and you know, that these families have when, they, when they're away from their homes with their children. What better, what better? foundation to support? What better hospital to support? So I'm going to ask you, please be a provider to St. Jude. Also, you can uh, utilize your time. It doesn't always require money. You can utilize your time, whether you're sending cards, letters, different gifts of love to to the children so that they can have something to lift them up and their families. So make sure you support St. Jude. Now, after we come back from this brief break, we're going to have Lisa Phillips in the house talking real estate. Be right back with you. Okay. Welcome to Mindset Mastery with George Reister. I have a special guest on today. I couldn't wait to get this lady on the air because we're going to talk about some financial important things, houses, rentals, purchasing properties, and this lady knows it all. Lisa Phillips, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Lisa, now listen, I'm gonna let you fill our audience in on a little bit of background about yourself and how you got into this industry and the housing and purchasing property and teaching and inspiring mm. others to do the same thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Tell us okay. how you did. 
Okay, I do have my boilerplate response, but I'm gonna give you guys something a little different. I'll start Ooh. with the motivation of why. Okay. Um, so I grew up in a working class neighborhood in Las Vegas on the West Coast. And um, I will say that working class culture is very distinct. It's middle class. It is, you know, everyone's working some job. You lose a job, you get another one, like immediately. It's a place where my mom worked graveyard for some parts of my life. My dad woke up at two o'clock in the morning every day of my life, right? And so it's something where the work culture is not told. They never once told me to work hard. It is something that is shown and demonstrated and modeled. So it's a culture that I highly respect. And I'm so glad that even though the money wasn't what I wanted with my mind, my mind went at horseback riding lessons, <laughs> but I went to public school. So that's right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. My mind wanted private schools and traveling <laughs> even at 13 and 14. And we had the budget for like, you get one set of clothes for the whole year. You don't get yes. multiple shopping. Right. Absolutely. And, and we went to Kmart at that. Right. So um, even though my mind was much bigger than my economic circumstances mm -hmm. and always had been, you know, the ethic and the culture and community was something I, I, to this day, I respect that I was born into. I think the advantage of anyone isn't someone who's born rich. It's when you're yes. born working class and you right. make it to that level. I mean, yes. that really shows like the determination of like, it doesn't matter, your ethic will outlast anything. And so that was my background. And so when I went into corporate America after, you know, I'm like, I, I need to make money. I'm sorry, mom, dad, I don't want to be a plumber. My dad's like, be, you know, you could be a technician. I'm like, that's cool. You think it, you know, but I want right. to work physical labor. Um, uh, you know, you, you go and get a degree in electrical engineering. Um, then I jumped into a different field because it was a little too stiff for, for my taste. I'm just a, a, a talk sociable person. Yeah. And um, I started in um, being a consultant for like some of the big four firms like IBM and whatnot and Deloitte and Accenture. And what I learned was that, you know, I was never going to fit in. Mm. And I think a lot of you guys can understand that. I was yes. always going to make less money. I was never going to be, I was never part of the crew that promoted itself. Correct. I wasn't going to be in that crew. Right. <laughs> I would have to change much of who I was as a person to be in that crew. And I had made a decision maybe three or four years out of college that I can't do this. I um, thank you for the money. I will use that and funnel it into, and I discovered real estate investing. Okay. <laughs> because the reality was I would be too unhappy trying to fit into the corporate America mold and being an employee and being under people who I thought, you know, your talent is it more, your connections are, and where am I going to get those connections, right? Correct. And so to me, instead of working on those other aspects, trying to thrive in that environment, that which I think was not set up for me to excel in, but just to be a worker bee, mm -hmm. I, I was just determined to do my own thing because I wanted to be happy, not spend 30 years complaining about my work situation. Yes. So I remember I had gotten laid off for like the second time. And um, so I had gotten a job, got laid off, got another job pretty fast and got laid off again. And this was around 2009. And that was like right at the bottom of the fall. And there are like people losing hundreds of thousands, almost a million jobs a month during that, that year. Do you remember the crisis? Oh, yeah. And uh, I could not get another job. But what I had done right before I got laid off was I bought this condo for $35,000 in Ohio. And it was actually a really nice condo. I was like, 
houses cost this much? And I just didn't know that coming from Las Vegas. You're from the yeah. West Coast. That doesn't exist, right? Correct. And so I I had bought that right before that got laid off. And the mortgage was like $350 a month. And I'm like, my savings can take care of this. I don't have to work for a year, you know, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like with all of my utilities and the bills, because it was a condo. So you don't have as many utilities. I think it was like six fifty a month. Mm-hmm. And I got a roommate. Oh, so wow. who yeah. paid six fifty? So <laughs> I was having fun that year. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that sounds crazy, but like, you know, John, I didn't have kids. And I mean, so I, I, I like for six months, I just fixed the place up. I had a roommate. I was just doing whatever I want during the day. And I said, this is the life. And I realized that these low cost properties, like not only can you live in them, but they're, they're a great hedge. Mm-hmm. And so at, within that year, I got another job in DC and I went out there and I said, I want to do this again. And I just started looking and I found that there was a demographic of type. Like there were these classes that were generally either low income, but some were working class neighborhoods where, you know, the crime was a little less. Everybody was working. There was stability and money stability. Now they weren't making tons of money, but it's where the mechanics and the dental hygienists, right? And, you know, people who are teachers or insurance adjusters live they don't necessarily have the wages to live in the nicest part of town, but they generally find the solid parts of town that they feel comfortable and safe living, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I found one in like the Maryland area in Baltimore. I found one in the Richmond. And so I bought two more homes, one for $13,000 and one for $25,000. And I still kept the one that was 35. And I was like, oh, okay. So when I went online to talk about it, they were like, oh my gosh, don't go in these neighborhoods, yeah. those neighborhoods. <laughs> now you were I'm like, the, this... you mean what? Like the kind I grew up in where right, everybody exactly. was Hispanic and yes. no one spoke English except like me and like right. another family. Yes. <laughs> like, you mean I grew up in these neighborhoods. What are you talking about? And, and you were doing all of this without a mentor. You just started on your own and you just found the zeal and the capacity and, and the opportunity, you saw the opportunity <laughs> was there and you started. I, I, sometimes you look back at the evolution and realize that you had a lot of support on high. Yes. Guiding you because this was sort of what you needed to do, you know? So I will say I can look back and see that things were lining up because this is something that needed to be done and needed to be taught. Okay. So, but at the time I did have, um, now my ex-husband at the time was helping and uh, YouTube had just figured out that all these people can like show you how to change bulbs and Home Depot yes, showed you how yes, to lay tile yes. and this showed you how to paint. So YouTube was amazing because we'd be in the house was like, oh, how do we do this? And we'd find a video of a plumber showing you how to do it. And I would just use that. And um, so we got, we made it. The first house, I'm not gonna lie. The one in the condo I had bought, bought, I was there. I'd wake up, be like, let's do this today. Right. And um, I slowly did it, but it, it didn't need as much work. The house mm-hmm. in Baltimore, though, was 1905. We took, like, I'll just be really honest, we worked on it every Saturday for 11 months. <laughs> oh, wow. So <laughs> wow. I wasn't in a rush. It was $13,000. I wasn't in a rush, right? Oh, definitely- and it was, like, the first big job I was doing. So I just slowly... I just slowly took my time and each day there was like, we got to figure this out. We have to pull the carpet up. We have to paint or this is going on here. Or we have to take this plaster down. 
we have to do this. And so that would be the goal for the weekend and mm -hmm. we would do it. And sometimes it'd be two or three weekends because we were new and didn't know. Now, it took 11 months and it looked great afterwards. But I will say after the 11 months, I learned a lot about doing work myself. So then, so which is good because ever since then I can take that knowledge and gauge if a contractor is saying it's gonna be way more work than I know it to be. Cause I pretty much did everything. But I will also say, I do not do that work anymore. Now I hire people. <laughs> the first one was a gimme, all right? That was yes. a learning experience, which yes. which didn't subsequently help. But mm -hmm. as an investor, as any, as any business owner, you need to get to the point where you're not doing everything yourself anymore. I think in yes. any business, you have to grow past that. Yes. Now, as you were going through the process of um, going in and, and working on those properties, and then you got to the point where you want to uh, dress it up interior design make sure you had all the appropriate things that so the, the appeal of the house would sell to someone how did you man, manage and manipulate that because i know some people can go in and fix up things mm -hmm. but now when it comes to the layout the design mm -hmm. and all that who mm -hmm. helped you with that part of it was that mm -hmm. something that you had a little knack for or mm -hmm. you had to really dig on youtube mm -hmm. or whatever resources you needed mm -hmm. to facilitate <laughs> that part of it you know, that's why I always respect like a male female team um, when you see them. And even my investors who I then teach, if you're a male investor, I would say if you don't have the eye, bring your sister, bring your mother, bring someone with an eye. I just say female. I know this is the world of blue. It's just easier to find a female. Okay. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> if you're a male, absolutely. get a female to go with you and have her look too. Okay. And, and take it seriously because at the end of the day, who makes the buying decision in this polarized world, right? Yeah. I'll be very honest, I've been doing long enough. My male tenants do not care. My female clients are like, can you make this white? And can you yes. do this? And we want this and this doesn't look right, right? And so right. know your audience. And I, you know, as a female, like I already brought that. So I did the interior just decorating, but I, I do tell my male clients, bring someone if you don't have it. Now, some of my clients do. Okay, right. they're better than everyone else, and that is fine. But but you have to know yourself. If you're not good at it, that can be a disadvantage at you showing the place well. Bring okay. someone who is excited. Like if you tell any woman right now, will you go with me to look at this property and tell me what colors you would do or what you would suggest? Like yeah. it's not a hard sell. You don't even have to pay them. Okay. Correct. <laughs> yes. That's true. That is so true. Now your book, your best-selling book, investing in real estate properties for beginners. How did that come about? And what if, if I were to purchase that book or you were gonna instruct me on, you know, how to make this whole thing happen. Mm -hmm. What's the best part about that book? Hmm. Good, two good questions. Uh, the first part, how did it come about? I had always planned on selling like a, a $5 ebook, right? It's funny, I was like, yeah, let me start this platform, tell people about it and just sell a $5 ebook. Um, it'd be a nice source of income right? But also mm -hmm. getting the word out. Um, I did not realize the effect it would have on people. Mm. I really didn't. Uh, I have met people since I've launched the book in 2018 mm -hmm. from all over the world. Um, people are, are signing up to work with me through the book. And it's interesting because when you write, you're just writing what you know, and you mm -hmm. don't realize how big of an impact it is until afterwards. And people are like, I've read this one guy said he wrote, read 52 books wow. on real estate for the year. Mm -hmm. And he said, mine and one other was the best. Whoa. And 
I actually worked with him as a client. He signed up for my, one of my programs to work together. And he bought two duplexes within a week of working with each other. It was funny. We just had like a few conversations, got things wet, and it was boom. But, but it was just, you know, so I'm glad I wrote the book and I almost didn't do it. So in my mind, when I started in 2013, I was like, I'll write the book, but I never did it. And then one day it was funny. I was listening to these affirmations. <laughs> you guys really should listen to your affirmations. And I was listening to it every night. And on, on day 21, I woke up and I was like, I need to write this book. I had not thought about it before. Mm -hmm. I had not thought it any, but that is what came through source. All right. That, that, that came through. And it's so funny, like I'm writing book two and three right now. So I'm editing right now the second book, which is Investing Out of State. And I have another book that's coming out, Buy This, Not That House. <laughs> right, okay. So those, are in the, um, those are finishing up right now and they're editing. Mm -hmm. But um, so I always thought about it, but I just got inspired after doing that personal inner work. And I must say that the book needed to be written because a lot of books are out there on real estate investing and they're they're good books. It's just, they're not really not clear who they're talking to. I make it very clear. I'm talking to black professionals who are going to low income houses, period. When you read so much on rental properties and they all have 18 different strategies, that's okay if they're really clear about who they're targeting. We're targeting houses in A-class neighborhoods. We're targeting houses in the Midwest. We're, but they don't get to that level of nuance. So it's confusing for people to see seemingly contradictory information. Well, it's not wrong if you knew, well, in the Northeast, we do this, but in the South, that's the difference in what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And like, I find that people, and especially people, uh, black professionals who are first-generation college, first-generation white collar, you know, there is generational wealth gap. And that is very much in the institution of this country. And it's gonna stay that way as long as you, <laughs> you go through their methods. You're gonna get paid less. You're gonna get redlined. You're gonna pay more for this. You're gonna not be promoted as fast. Like there's all these things that go into why there's the wealth gap and why it's gonna stay if you stay within their construct, right? And so for me to come up with like, hey, we can wrap in these neighborhoods. We can go right back. And this is what you're looking at. And all you need is 10 to $20,000 to start. And then we build like one house a year, one house a year. We buy 30 to $50,000 houses. People have cars more expensive than that. So it's True. something that resonates with us at our level. But I also found over the years, you start acquiring these assets and you know one of them might double or triple in value. And for the first time, I have $50,000 cash in my pocket where I have $100,000 in equity. One girl has had like $300,000 because she bought in Atlanta before it blew up, right? And like, we're, we're in our 30s and 20s, like talking like this because we started with a modest price and we just slowly built and we didn't just necessarily listen to everything else that was like, oh, zero to 180 units in three months. And like, that's, how's that gonna work? <laughs> like, that doesn't work for me. Right, exactly. I don't have the money or the friends and my friends, oh, just raise money from your friends. My friends don't have money. Okay. <laughs> like, they just got out of college too. They got a student loan. They didn't get their college paid for. They exactly. didn't they didn't get their college paid for. They don't have generational wealth. They don't have a, a old aunt with two hundred million dollars, hundred thousand dollars in the bank and then give you twenty pretty easily. Like that's not our story. Yes. Right. And I don't have any shame about that. Like I'm shame about America's historical treatment of me but you just have to acknowledge i can't i don't have the funds to do what you're trying to tell me i should do so i have to do something different that works for my funds and my budget level and those neighborhoods that you're so fearful of 
is my neighborhood. Yes. I'm fine. See, I, I, this is why I couldn't wait to get you on the show. Your, your honesty and the simplicity in which you speak and help people understand that there's a game out here, mm-hmm. but you just got to learn how to play it. <laughs> you know, and, and, and everyone can participate, but how do we participate? And I think that in our community, that's part of the struggle. We don't know how to participate and where to get the information to participate because there's so many different real estate gurus, like you say, they put out all these programs and I won't call them out, you know, uh, just, you know, just for, I don't want to do that, but, <laughs> but I will say that um, they reach a higher end market where mm-hmm. they offer a program that's going to cost, you know, someone like, as I say, if I'm an investor, you know, you go in and you're paying thirty, $40,000 to just enter the program. <laughs> and then you think Woo. you're getting one thing and you don't get that. And no. then you think you're going to get a coaching and you can barely get anyone on the phone call. Right. Girl, stop talking. Stop playing a, with me. You know, uh, can you I know. say it? Can I say uh-huh. it? For, fortune builders. Yeah. <laughs> then Merrill, yeah. they're like, oh, we're going to coach you. And hey. then the people I've read, they're like, I could barely get people on the call and. They didn't coach me anything. They're like, they told me to bring the numbers and I thought they were going to teach me how to read the numbers. Exactly. Have you heard a response? I've not, not yet. Is that a new one? You look, well, they've been around for a while, but uh, they also put out some information and and get people involved in some things that, that they don't add up. The rubber doesn't meet the roll when, when it all, you know, uh, is once you pay and you can't get someone on the phone, Mm-hmm. Or you don't receive the training that you thought you were going to receive or the training that you thought you were going to receive mm. isn't efficient enough to right. get you even started right. to where you want to go. I get very mad. That's why I'm calling them out. <laughs> That's what, so now you started your program. I mean, and especially uh, doing it in our community. There are some yes. people who do not care that we are already starting at a disadvantage and they'll still yes. take the money in a predatory manner, I think, yes. and run with it. Okay. Definitely. So I will call you out because you need to cut that out and we need to see who for who you are. Because I mean, I have a lot of integrity about that. Mm-hmm. And well, I, I won't just take anyone's money, honestly. Like there are people who want to work with me because they're excited. You're excited. I'm excited. But yes. like, I'm like, baby, we ain't got enough. Like, let's right. do this. Do yes. this. Start at this level. And then when you get up more capital, we can do this level. And I mean, you you just had to have been there to be able to do that. And I've been on that side where they wanted to take and not give in return. And, you know, it, it's going to catch up with you eventually. I, yeah. I wish it would catch up faster, but. <laughs> right, exactly. So, so that being said, when someone comes to you and they don't have enough capital, they don't have enough resources. Yeah. Do you uh, work with teams? Do you put teams together of mm-hmm. investors that could co-op and buy together, you know, different properties? I don't do that because at these price ranges, it, you don't want to, I don't want them to cut their profits because it's split between a couple of people. Um, I'd rather they get the full profits to build that portfolio of cash flow faster. So I will work with them, talk about how much do you save? Like we go down to how much are you saving a month? Okay. 10 months. Okay. 18 months. Okay. Two years for you to hit this, you know, 12 K goal. Right. And I'm like, don't worry about it. That's where you are now. That's not where we're going to end up. Right. But I'd rather you start with this. And even if you get one house every two years, okay, well, in 10, 20, you know, 10 years, 
you'll have X amount and that's enough for you to stop working. It's okay. You know, and I guess like one of the things is I'm just so comfortable with like where I come from and that I, w I don't have like a ton of money in my family. Like I'm comfortable saying that. Like, yeah. and I think once you can become like, because I do that, like I try to make other people be comfortable and accept where they are financially and not find so much pain or um, shame mm -hmm. or embarrassment around it because it doesn't yes. fit up what the, what it should. But yeah. I just, just never wired to try to pretend to be more than I am. I like being accepting who I am for other people to accept where they are because then you get to a healing place when it comes to money. You're just yeah. more healed because you can accept where you are, look at it without the shame and just start going from there versus beating yourself up for not being where everyone else is. And I, and I think that's a big part of, of you know my platform while it's still here because I've had people and two years later or three years later, I'm working with them, but they had 2000 when they talked to me. But then they're like, I have 25 now. I, that's happened so many times. I, I can't even keep up, right? And I love the fact that they stayed in and stayed in and they didn't lose focus. They stayed on those goals for the three years. And then we started investing. And they generally have way more than we set the target goal for. Wow, see, I, I like that because you talk about honesty, integrity, you talk about humility, you talk about mm -hmm. shame, mm -hmm. embarrassment. And most people, mm -hmm in our community especially, mm -hmm. carry that stigma and that shame. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. they don't know how to be honest and speak mm -hmm. to that, to someone like you, so that they can get a plan, start moving in the right direction. And then a year or two later, and sometimes, like I said, happens even sooner. And sometimes they get yes. more, more than they have. Always. So, oh, that, they that. always have more than like we talked about two years ago. And right. you know, this is a thing where like, you remember people from two years ago, it's not like, mm -hmm. You know, yeah, they just course. blow your like it's not like so long that you don't remember and and it's always twice as much as we talked about <laughs> yeah. and it's always like some random like oh i got a settlement oh this happened for my great it's like always some random money like yes. <laughs> that comes to, it always is and i'm always like ah yes. oh, won't he do it um but yeah <laughs> the, the shame and embarrassment it's so interesting because i'm i'm so comfortable talking about my truth and i i don't care how much money i have like for me I'm still Lisa, I'm still smart. If I don't have money, that's just because something happened and I didn't know, but it doesn't define who I am. That's yeah. just something happened and I didn't know and my parents aren't rich, so I have to start over again. Yes. And um, I found a big part of of doing this is like some with the people who don't have as much, I do spend a good five to 10 minutes going like, it does not matter. I don't want you to compare yourself to other people. It doesn't matter in the least because they're not you. You don't know. I've had clients, you don't know if her husband left her house. You don't know if they have a Brooklyn Brownstone that she's tapping into $100,000 of equity. Do you have one? I don't have a Brooklyn Brownstone. Do you have a Brooklyn Brownstone? You're right. And so it's just, and I do these just to go like, you don't need to compare yourself. You don't know what they had in support that you did not, right? So let's yeah. not compare ourselves to that. So if you can save 400 a month at this point or 500, okay. You know, in 12 months, that's 6,000. So that's, yes. that, that's 12,000. So let's do that. So how much can you save this month? Okay, good. How much more money can you bring to it? Okay, good. And we just get rid of that. And I tell them those stories because I do meet people who have a Brooklyn Brownstone and I'm like, I wish I had a Brooklyn Brownstone. You know? <laughs> like I, I understand the envy, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> like I understand exactly. like, oh, I wish I had that. So it's not yeah. like I'm blaming you, but it's also like, but I don't and that's okay. I have right. other things. I have time. Yeah. 
I have a goal. I'm going to get there. Now, you mentioned something a little bit earlier, and it kind of hit home, so I have to ask about this. And I don't want you to give away too much of your new book that you're writing, Buying Property Out of State. Mm. Okay, now I had an experience. Since since you're the guru, I got I to gotta get my therapy today. Bring it. Okay. <laughs> so I went to Ohio looking for some investment properties, and I had done some homework with a realtor in Ohio, and I had done some things, my due diligence uh, through the internet, searching. When I got to Ohio, I found out that the realtor that I was working with may not have been as savvy as I thought he or she was at that moment. And then some of the properties that I looked at, of course, pictures always a little bit deceiving, depending on, you know, who takes the picture and, you know, what's I do going know. On. So I you, do. Rely on, you, you rely on a relative to do his homework, go look at the property, tell you what he thinks about it. He should know the neighborhood or she should know the neighborhood, the area. Ooh. And then you get there and you find out, okay, hey, what have I walked into? Give me some advice so I, I won't have the experience that I had the last time. Okay, so um, you did do right by understanding that um, you were right in understanding that the pictures can be deceiving. Honestly, I've been doing this for about 10 years now. Half of the time, the pictures are pretty accurate. The other half, they are not. You have to go in person. And so when my clients invest out of state, we get a list of five to 20, 10 properties that we vetted. They were like, these are good properties to go out there to make sure their trip is worth it. But like also because we know half of these won't make it, but you right. don't need more than half. You need one or two, depending on yes. how much the budget is. So you're right in that aspect. Now, the second part that I that I heavily stress with my clients, you cannot ask the realtor investor questions. You cannot. You can't ask them about the neighborhood. First of all, they're not supposed to say anything because of steering and um, guiding you. But not only that, they're not thinking as an investor. They generally, about 90% of the time, are thinking of a first-time home buyer. A first-time home buyer is not going to, like, I'm not living there, right? Yeah. This is for a tenant who is part of that neighborhood. Yeah. So it's not going to look like what my place looks like is not what that place is going to look like. Okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm paying the rent for my place, and they're paying yeah. half of what I pay for theirs. Okay? You know what I mean? And yeah. so um, I have to heavily stress to them, you are telling your realtor, you're not asking them anything. You're okay. saying, we're going to look at these five houses. You're not going to ask them, should you look at these five houses? Mm. Um, so once you understand that they're looking at it from would they live there, or is it nice to their standards, and they're not thinking about it, I'm just making sure it's good to me as an investor. And two, it's already going to have a neighbor, an audience in that neighborhood who fits that demographic. So we're going to scale down to that level. And they just don't necessarily have that ability to do that because most investors aren't going into the lower price ranges. So when they are dealing with investors, they're dealing with those who are more upper end. And so they're not going to go to a neighborhood that doesn't look as nice or posh. They're not, that's just not the game that they're in the majority of the time. Um, so, so I would say um, relying on a realtor only if you've worked with them like three or four times and you know they have an eye and they have an eye for what you like and the kind of investments you work. But in the beginning, you tell them and you're not being mean about it because sometimes they want to go, what do you think about this? And oh, I, you know, I have my clients take videos of the houses they're looking at and then we'll go over the videos and they'll show me like I was worried about this and this. And one time uh, a guy was looking and he was like, oh my gosh, and this, uh, there's no um, central air conditioning. So we're going to have to get this. And his real estate agent was like, yes, you do. 
And she said it with her whole chest. And I remember when I saw it, I was like, no, you don't. In these neighborhoods and these houses, you can just get um, a window unit for yes. a few hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And that's how you do it. You don't need to spend $8,000 on new ductwork. Not yeah. for this neighborhood, not at this time. Now, if this neighborhood triples in value, okay, we'll, we'll invest that, you know, four to $8,000 of ductwork and HVAC system into it. But for now, you know, $600 of window units will do it. But the real, he was new, which is why you work with me. So I'm like, okay, um, on this case, that's not quite how you would do it for your own house. This is, this is different. But then the realtor is thinking like, oh my God, I wouldn't live here. And so I heavily, so that is why that's where it comes from. But that's just an example of how they're just not thinking of the people you're servicing. They're thinking of themselves and you're not going to live there. You're, you're buying there. So you're automatically different. The people who rent there are going to be perfectly fine with those window units. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause that's why they're paying 800 in rent and not 1500 in rent. Okay. Yes. Now let's say I'm buying now, let's say everything went perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And I bought the houses in Ohio or Michigan or wherever I wanted to buy. And now I need a team of people to help me refurbish and go in and work on the house because I'm in California. So mm-hmm. I'm not going out there to work on this property every mm-hmm. month, every nope. week. Mm-hmm. What suggestions do you have to someone like me to find the appropriate or the right team of people to help me out and facilitate so that? Your biggest team members at the very beginning will be your realtor. So mm-hmm. just finding a realtor who is okay in the lower price ranges. Not everyone is. Mm-hmm. Commission's not that much on a $50,000 house. Right. So we'll do it. Yeah. You're not going to be super happy to do it. They'd rather look at a $200,000 house, right? Yes. Three and a half percent on that pays the bills. Right. So finding that is one of the things that we have to undertake and we have to be a little savvy about because they don't get that much money. So you have to help them help you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and the other part is property management. So I do not let my clients purchase if there's not at least three property management companies, preferably four or more in that market and here's why i can find a lovely beautiful house and it's thirty-five thousand dollars and needs no work and it's in the middle of nowhere very cute scenic very cute it's the middle of nowhere there's like no one to manage the property do you want to be an out-of-state landlord or do you want to be an out-of-state rental property owner i'm a rental property owner i do not do that work i was i tell people all the time i was in this landlord roundtable group on facebook and everyone's talking about putting notices on doors or what are you doing this and i was like why am i here i don't do this my property manager does Bye. Like, I gotta leave. Like, I don't even don't, don't do this. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and so, because of that, like, the property management is an extension of your team, and so you have to make sure in that city they have property managers, so you don't have to become the de facto landlord. And not just that, at least three. I am in, in my Ohio property. I'm on my third property management company in nine years. The time goes by really quickly. The first one wasn't that good. They all say they're good, but what I try to tell my new investors is that. Um, when you start getting from corporate to mom and pop or single people businesses, you get single people personalities. Everyone says they're good, right? Yes. <laughs> and of course, I give them some questions to vet the people from my okay. experience, what I've learned, depending on how they answer tells if they're going to be good or not. Um, but um, they all say they're going to be good. But in some places, they might not be good. And instead of you getting all worked up, you're like, I already took care of this. Let them know that you're finishing the contract or breaking the contract and paying whatever fee. And, um, you know, I literally have my new property manager pick up the keys from the old one. I did not have to fly out there. 
And they're the ones who are going to be hiring the contractors. They're the ones that are going to be showing the places and they're the one that's going to be managing everything. So you have to make sure you have more. And then I, I got rid of the second one in Ohio because and this is all in a nine year span, you know, so every two, three years. And they just were too expensive every time someone moved out. And I was like, dude, like, what are you? <laughs> it's like, it's my year's profit. No. So, and then um, I'm on my third one. They're okay. They're a little pricey, but they are pretty efficient. So I'm with them, but like, it goes to show if I would have been somewhere, I sold my Baltimore property because Baltimore is a very unique place. I have videos on what I think about the market, but um, it was so hard to find a good contractor. Now, I mean, property manager, Baltimore has some other issues too. Like finding good contractors is hard. Finding <laughs> <laughs> your things getting stolen is a common thing i mean contractors who are high on the job is common like i thought it was just us oh we all share that story you know like right. it has its own issues so yes. property manager was already hard too yes. so i sold that property because i was like i it's so hard to find good any talent there that isn't like borderline you know just off and okay. um you know, like, I don't want you to have to sell in five years because you find out that they just don't have enough good people. So a bit, so a big part's like, how many property management companies do they have? Oh, two? Okay. So if you go through two in two years or four years and you don't like them, are you ready to do the work? Because if you're not, we look for another market. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And then they'll handle it. But you have to, like, we, we, we were very strategic in the okay. beginning. So it all works out in the end. Okay, great. So now... I was going to ask you something, but I, I'll say it on to the end. Okay. <laughs> right so, down. <laughs> definitely. Okay. So now when you have clients like me, you know, mm -hmm. I want to be, I want to, I want to team up with Lisa and I want Lisa to coach me and mentor me. What should I do to make that happen? Well, yeah, just reach. Um, it depends on how cerebral you are. Some people like to read my book first, which I like the book because it gives you things I'm talking about is not going to go as detailed as talking to me on the phone, but it's going to give you an overview because we have a system. I don't care okay. if you live in New York or DC. Um, I've worked with people in Mexico and I've worked with people in Canada. And you wouldn't be surprised to know people in France and Germany and Japan would like to work with me as well too, right? Wow. Like you wouldn't be surprised. I mean, everybody wants a good deal. Yes. <laughs> everybody yes. wants a $30,000 property. <laughs> Definitely. They're not all rich in France. <laughs> yes, you got to believe it. And that's, that was going to kind of lead to another question I was mm -hmm. going to have you was, do you have a favorite city that you've seen the return on the properties have been so good for you and your clients that you would advise people to actually possibly look into those cities? I, do you want to disclose? Right I now? do not disclose on my platform. I have found okay. if I say a city. Okay. Oh, Within six so, months, <laughs> yeah. every, every property. So I just sort of keep my mouth shut on that. Okay. And we just found a, a, a location in Illinois. And I was like, don't go to my Facebook page right. telling everybody about yes. this place. You better okay. be quiet. Yeah, definitely. Like we are such a giving people, but mm -hmm. I'm at, That's we so got to. That is so true. <laughs> but I give other information, right? I'm okay. pretty free with other information. But with that, I'm like, just keep it close to your best until you make your own empire. Okay. Um, because a lot of people can't see these properties or these markets the way we can. So, mm -hmm. you know, that is your advantage. 
Um, but I would say for the other people who would want to work with me, you can start with the book if that's what you're more comfortable with. Start with looking at my YouTube videos. And if you like my energy, you like what I'm saying, and you just trust that, you know, from what I'm saying that I can deliver for you, then do a strategy session. You can go to my website and just put, click on strategy session, fill out some information. I want to know where you live. I ask you, are you open to travel? Because these prices might not be where you live, right? And yes. if you're like, no, I'm like, oh, okay, well, then I know when I'm talking to you that like, hey, you're going to up your price because exactly. you don't want to travel. Like the deals are sometimes in your backyard, but other times you have to drive one, two, three hours or take a flight, which is not a big deal. Like I really try to tell people like it doesn't have to be that big of a deal. And um, and so that's how we start. And then we do a 30 minute call after I get that information because I know what you're working with and I'm already having, okay, your budget's this. Okay, we have to look at these type of markets versus you don't have as much range, you know, all in for 50,000 needs to be like a pretty much well done house. You don't have that, like a budget for doing a big renovation. So then there's certain, you know, that limits your selections versus if you have more money, you can take houses that need a little bit more work, a little bit more than cosmetic, but you have the money for it. So we can do a wider ranges of markets to get to that price range. Okay. And how do you, with the pandemic and everything that's going on right now in the country, <laughs> How is the rental market? How do you see people navigating and negotiating through this? Because where I am, I'm being California. If you're buying property right now, everybody is bidding and paying outrageous prices that are far above what the value of the properties are just to secure those properties. And, and it's crazy. So the deals are very limiting and, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and it's, it's just, it's, it's tough. Mm -hmm. It's tough mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. uh, uh, a wholesale is tough for a person that's buying the fix and flip. It, it's just a tough market. So you're paying far above what the actual value of the price is with the, with the hope that when everything shifts and, and levels out, you made a good deal. Mm. How do you, how are you dealing with that? How you, how you negotiating that with the clients that. So when I work with my California clients, we already know we're out of that game. <laughs> okay. I remember okay. driving around Pasadena, looking at housing prices. I was like, two million for that little 1400 square foot house? Are you kidding? <laughs> for, oh, I, oh, I gotta go. So, I mean, that is a game for really big fish, okay? Um, so my California clients already know that we have to leave because it's just hard to cash flow there. Now, eventually maybe, you know, you're betting on appreciation, but even right now, I think Newsom is talking about buying up all foreclosures. So they're like the owners of all the properties. So even then the idea that it's going to keep appreciating with things like that at the political level, I would say, hold off on thinking that because I mean, that's pretty serious to have someone even talking about that. Um, so we're automatically looking outside, but as far as outside of California, it's the same. There's a lot of people storing up their places. So in some markets, it's highly competitive and people are still going for it. Um, in some places, the inventory is a lot more because a lot of people have been hit hard. Um, but we're still out there doing deals and there's some markets where like the prices are going up because there's a lot of investors. That's why I keep um, the markets that we find that no one's talking about close to our best. Yeah, that makes sense because I know a it's lot still of still going on. Okay, good. Because I know a lot of investors here are struggling and they are going outside to outside markets. And I was just wondering, were those markets experiencing the same thing that we're experiencing here? So 
That's a good question. It's hit or miss. It's very interesting. It's very interesting because you would think that with everything going on, that all the prices would be at bottom prices and they would be, but a lot of investors are coming out of the woodwork. Some are bigger investors, institutional. So we're having to look and compete with that. Um, And, uh, and then in other places, it's just the same, but not a huge drop that you would think, (laughs) right? So, and we've been doing this all through the pandemic and not, not the drops you would think. Hmm. Okay. Let me ask you this. What are you passionate about? (laughs) My community elevating to the highest levels, my black community elevating to the highest level at the base. That is literally my mission here on earth. Wow. That's awesome. And and, and I, I feel the same way. Because, mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I'm uh, I'm always interested in bringing on people of color on my show, mm-hmm. because I I want us people to know we have a voice, and I want mm-hmm. us to believe in our voice that we have. So we want to expose that, or I want to expose that to as many people as I can, so mm-hmm. I can definitely tap into that vision. I like to say they have warriors who are willing to take whatever needs to ha- take in order for that mission to be completed. And I am one of them. So hello. Uh, what, what what would you say is your big, biggest motivating factor? What What's in, in, in your vision for you personally mm-hmm. that's moving you to get up every day? And we talked about how much, how good you felt today a little earlier. I did, yeah. Yesterday, what, what, what's motivating you? What What's your drive? Um, can I get a moment to think about that? Yeah, <laughs> okay, because yeah, yeah. there's many motivations. Um, I do, so I grew up poor, but my mind and spirit has never been poor. Okay, mm. so <laughs> that, that's a right there. I'm writing that down. Definitely. Yeah, my spirit uh, was never poor. Like I understand. I grew up that way and it taught me what I needed to teach so I can bridge a gap. But my mind was always on living a life of abundance and luxury and <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I, so I, I, it didn't matter my circumstances. That was the vision that was in my spirit. That's what my spirit apparently is used to <laughs> like yes. the finer things in life. Yes. So I'm working towards that place where I can get up every morning and I don't have to work and it's my own time. And I, if, you know, if I want to go on a nice vacation and do luxury things, I can. So I've always, like I said, my spirit's been very rich, even if my circumstances on the outside was not. And so I wake up every morning to get to the point where I have multiple streams of income, (laughs) multiple, right? And I'm working and I'm building and I'm writing, but like I'm doing all of that multiple streams of income where I can do whatever I want with my time, which, you know, honestly, like my spiritual practice is pretty big. So like doing my, my healings, my channeling, like, you know, I can spend two to three hours a day on just the physical, my physical fitness, the physical health. And I love having that time to focus just on self elevation Mm -hmm. and, and betterment. Right. But like the, the, the work I put in is to get to that point where I have those luxuries. And if I do it, and service to building other people up so that they can have those luxuries one day too. That is even better because there is like an innate need, need or not need, like to help those who want the help so that like we all can experience this happiness. Like this is a great earth, this is a great life. And if you're, if you don't have the tools, you can feel so overwhelmed. 
And like, if I can help you get out of overwhelm to empowerment into self mastery, Mm. financially or spiritually, like that means I have more people at my level to be with when I have all the luxuries. I don't want to be by myself, (laughs) right? I want us all to be here living our best lives. You know what I mean? So that is, so just the love of luxury and like willing to work for it. That is what I want. My soul has always wanted that. And I say my soul, cause like I, I literally sometimes no one understands this need uniquely. Like not everyone can expand to that level of like, I want to live that abundant. I told someone was like, what do you want? I was like, oh, recently I'm manifesting to be able to fly on a private jet. Not everyone has that level of luxury, That's right? Yes. right? right? Yeah. But I do. So it's in me, it's innate. And so yeah. that is what I work for. So wow. <laughs> you say what you, I, I don't know. I love it. So I just can't wait until it manifests. Oh, and it's going to manifest. Your energy, you bring that energy, it has to come. It has no choice because you won't accept it any other way. On mission. Last question, legacy. What would you like for your (laughs) legacy to be? (laughs) Oh my gosh, you know, maybe before I really started to really do the spiritual work of finding out what my purpose, who I am, what I am here to do, it would have been, you know, I I want a million black investors to invest in a billion, a million black communities. Wow. That's on the real estate investing end of things. Wow. I want us to be so like in every black community, I want us to invest in every black community. And I want when people talk politics we are at the table and you Mm. cannot ignore us and you bet you need to listen to what we have to say Mm. i want us to hold that level of power and i want us to do it collectively on mass and i want us to individually like each of us individually doing it makes the whole stronger so my end is like no you will hear our voices and 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 what we say goes (laughs) so Mm. that's my ultimate legacy as far as real estate investing but yes. then on the spiritual tip, <laughs> I, you know, cause there's, you know, a multidimensional being right yes, on the yes. spirituality tip. You know, I also have a spiritual um, channel inside that, you know, going into this, I want people to know that they are so powerful and they have the right to ask the universe and God and the world for whatever they want and don't be shy about it. So don't mm-hmm. be shy about saying you want a private jet. And if they don't understand, accept, like learn how to accept that people aren't at the level to understand that. And that's yes. okay that they can't but it's also okay for you to understand that and not dim your light or dim your dream. So I want yeah. you to be so spiritually empowered that you literally go for what you want unapologetically. That would be the other legacy for people to, and for people to also find out spiritually how strong and powerful they really are to create the world they want if they just shift in believing that. And that is one of the biggest things I wanna empower people with spiritually. Um, so both. both. <laughs> Listen, you answered that question. You got me over here. I, I mean, I, you ready? I'm, right now. I'm ready to go. You ready? That was literally my goal. I call my investors my army because I can't do it by myself. But if enough yes. of you guys take up the call, there will be a point they will have to listen and respect us, not in some fake politically correct way, yes. but we own the land way. Definitely. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure. Trust and believe. I will call you. And if you don't answer, I'm going to call you and call you and call you till I get you on this, till I get you on more calls than you ever wanted to be on. Should have never let the, open the door for me to get in touch with you because you have so much inside of you and you, and we need that. We need that light. We need your presence. 
We need your, your vision. And, and, and I want you to tell the audience anything in closing, anything you'd like to share, how to reach you, you get in touch with mm -hmm. your books, anything that you have up and coming so that we can stay connected. I want to build a tribe so big that as yes as we begin to do this over and over again that our resources will begin to pull them together we'll begin to trust because mm -hmm. we, we don't trust trust again mm -hmm. yes yes we have to have that trust in, in in our community that we when we share and we open up we share we open up and we're honest <laughs> we can go okay um, I, my name is Lisa Phillips. You can reach me at affordablerealestateinvestments.com or you can buy my best-selling book, which I'm really happy it was best-selling. I didn't expect that, but it's investing in rental properties for beginners and it goes A to Z over all of these things. And then if you like in the book or on the website, you can reach out for a strategy session where we'll see where you're at, uh, financially and just with your ability to invest and come up with some solutions on how to get there. And then of course, work together if that's what you'd like to do. And as far as spirituality, I really go, I'm an angelic healer and channeler. So if you want to go to my YouTube channel, um, Lisa Soul Level Healing, it's all about you finding out how to live a life of abundance by finding out how powerful you really are and utilizing practical spiritual tools to realize your power to manifest whatever you like and remove any limiting beliefs that you are anything less that then and that you deserve anything less than you want because you do and how to go about that in a practical manner in a practical way so that is that is what i'm doing and i'd love to meet all of you guys invite you into the fold i do have a very very strong emphasis of helping um, the black community in any way shape or form because this is our time and if all you need is one way out of a million, well, I found a few. So I am more than happy to share them because it can't just be the few of us. It needs to be as many of us as possible. Yeah. And as long as we all keep to that goal of setting up space, nurturing each other, build, building room with empathy, empathy versus shame for getting us all there, we can start removing some of the dysfunction, get on code and get on board. Yes. <laughs> Because yes. we need to get on code and on board. Exactly, okay. definitely. <laughs> well, once again, you've been a blessing. It was my pleasure. And I will definitely reach out to you again. You have a great rest of your day. Anytime you need me, you call me. The door is always open for you. And I want you to know that. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we'll be talking again soon. <laughs>